Three, two, one, action. Is this what? It's like, you know, when they're doing like TV shows or like game shows and they're like, okay, three, and then like two, one, go. And then it's like, and it's a Steve Harvey show. That's what I feel like we just did. Welcome to Review for Two. Welcome to Review for Two. My name's Caroline. My name's Marco. And we're dating. And we play video games. And we just finished one, actually, that we're going to talk about today. We did. This one is hot off the presses. (laughs) I mean, not really, because it was, like, developed and published in 2018. This one is cold off the presses. (laughs) This is about a year-old game. We are off the presses. <laughs> a little behind from all of the newest releases. Right. We were trying to give you the like fresh content and then going back in Arsenal, except we did play both Mary Kay and Ashley PS1 games, and those are very not hot off the presses. Those are about 20 years old. So. We also have a Dr. Mario in there somewhere, yeah. which is... It was 1990, Dr. Mario. All right, so you caught our bluff. There's absolutely no organizational <laughs> scheme, and we just kind of pick games up as we find them and decide that they are good games to podcast about. But guess what? We're always looking for more games to play, so if you guys have a brilliant suggestion, please actually let us know. We're gonna play it. Yeah, especially those hitherto unheard of gems that the world could appreciate as a fantastic couch co-op multiplayer dating style game. Game. Dating style. We don't need it to be like specifically dating. No, no. But but yeah, we, we did play Dream Daddy already. <laughs> yeah, that that episode got lost in the great quartz knocking over Caroline's tea debacle of aught nineteen. Yeah, you will unfortunately yeah. and kind of fortunately never have to hear that episode unless I try to get that data. But I'm not going to do that. So speaking <laughs> of hidden gems. This one definitely was because I didn't really hear anything about it when it first came out. But we are talking about Unravel 2. Woo! Woo! Probably a lot of the things that we're talking about apply to Unravel 1, but... Yeah, we have no idea. I didn't even know that there was an Unravel 1 until tonight when I turned to Mark and said, Wait, it's Unravel 2. Where's the first one? No, no, no. That's that's not what you said. Let's clarify. You didn't ask where the first one was. You asked if there was a first one. There was a first one. I didn't know if it was just like a stylistic choice to call the second one or not, but it wasn't. You do play as two characters, so it might have made sense, actually. That's fair. All right. I take back my mocking tone. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. It was developed by Coldwood Interactive in, as we said, uh, 2018. It was published by EA, and I really just wanted to give a quick shout out. We're going to talk about the stuff that we liked about it, the stuff that we didn't like, um, and this definitely falls into the stuff that we liked about it category, but the orchestrations and the composition of the music for this game was by Frida Johansson, Johansson and Henrik Oya. Spoiler alert. I think I'm saying that correctly because it's Swedish. We have no idea. And I've been to Sweden once. (laughs) So Mm. I'm the utmost authority on how those names are supposed to be pronounced, of course. I don't have a Swedish bone in my body, but there you go. So shout out to Frida and Henrik. I mean, I'm going to talk about the music definitely, but... But the music sounded good. amazing. Yeah. So this was a game. What did you think about it? I thought it was a game. That's it? No. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, okay. I thought it was a very good game. I will go over sort of the technical gameplay of it first, and then kind of go into my review of it. Sure. It was basically your standard 2D platformer in general. So you are on the left side of the screen, and you need to make it to the right side of the screen. Sometimes. Most of the time. There were, like, a lot of parts in the last two levels where you were on the right side of the screen, and it had to make That's it true. The, the last level in particular started doing perspective shifts where- And you have to go up, you have to go yeah. down- it's not just left to right, but that's the majority of it. In general, yeah. You're just making it to the right side of the screen. Yeah. So in this one, it's kind of set on a foresty island. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of going down, you're going up and down hills in the forest, and you're jumping over stumps and rocks and through ponds and stuff. And then there are certain levels that also take place in a flour mill or a car repair shop or a barn mm-hmm. like caroline said sometimes those particular ones you're going more up and down as opposed to left to right but the main thing that differentiates this game from a lot of all of the other billion platformers where you go from left to right is that there are two of you you are both of these little yarn creatures called yarnies i think they're called yarnies they are called yarnies. they're called yarnies for officially the, for the first like of us playing this game, I referred to the game as Yarny, and Caroline would correct me. But then, after that point, I kept calling the game Unravel, and Caroline (laughs) kept calling the game Yarny, so we switched, and I kept correcting her. We had a weird Freaky Friday moment. We did. At some point during this game. Now we understand each other just a little bit better, and I am going to support Caroline in her rock and roll lifestyle. Thank you. And she is going to support me in my dental work. What does the mom in Freaky Friday do? She's a therapist. Ah, Caroline's going to support me in my therapy. <laughs> I love that movie. Shout out to Annette Fish, who definitely doesn't listen to this podcast because she doesn't know how to download podcasts on her phone. I'll teach you one day, mom. Don't worry. But she loves that movie, and I do too. The new one, not mm. the old one. What was I saying? Wait, but you also just reminded me of something, and you can totally cut this out. This morning, I got a text from my assistant, and he said that he had a dream that I left the company, but I told, I like sat him and somebody else that works with us down, and I was like, I'm going to be the dean of rock music at a private school in California, and that you were really excited because you really wanted to live in the Bay Area, and that's where it was, and they were like, I don't think that has a lot of upward mobility, but I was like, no, no, I really want to do it. And so I did it. That was my um, assistant's dream today. You're told, please like cut this out because there's no relevancy to this. Yeah, we've gotten to the point all. where we are talking about your assistant's <laughs> dream on a podcast. But you just about... reminded me that and I forgot to tell you that today. So, well, I will. No time like the present, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Anyway, you were talking about how it's unique that there are two of us. Yes, so it is unique because you're playing as the two little Yarnies, and you are tied to each other through a string. Mm -hmm. Since you guys are, or since the characters are made of yarn, they're essentially just sentient little balls of yarn shaped like stick figures. Yeah, anthropomorphic yarn. Anthropomorphized yarn. Anthropomorphic. Is that P in there? I thought it was just anthropomorphic. No, anthropomorphic. I think there's a P in there. Anthropomorphic? Alexa. No. How do you say anthropomorphic? I pronounce that anthropomorphic. Oh. I'm always working on how I say things and I might not have it right. I see. This podcast brought to you by AI (laughs) and our Alexa. Oh, the Google also randomly, the Google started talking in the middle of my day today. Anyway, I'm sorry. Oh boy. So the thing that makes this game different from all the other platformers where you're just running from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen is that there are two of you. You are both playing as little yarnies. You're just these 
sentient little yarn balls. And since you are made of yarn, you are kind of tied to each other through that yarn. And so that kind of opens up the different puzzle solving challenges that you can do. Since you're tied to each other by yarn, one of you can like stand on a ledge and lower the other one down. If you're standing on a platform, the other one can jump down and kind of jungle swing Mm -hmm. with using you as the anchor point. They're holding onto the yarn and they can use that to catapult themselves up to their things. You can make bridges with your yarn off of two like stagnant points where you just like tie Mm -hmm. yourself to it and make a bridge. And there are a lot of puzzles that require one person to get to a certain point and then you use the yarn that tethers you to to swing the other person Mm -hmm. up to a second point and then the first person basically climbs that yarn back up to where that person is. Mm Mm-hmm. So we talked about how in Guacamele, Caroline essentially either chickened or bubbled mm-hmm. her way throughout the entire game. Yeah. For those of you just joining us, in Guacamele, if the other person got too far ahead of you, you would just turn into a bubble and float over to them. While it was a two-person co-op platformer, one person could kind of just bubble and let the other person solve all the puzzle platformers and then just kind of join them once they were done. Yeah. In this one, a lot of the puzzles, you could do that. One person could kind of just make it to the end and then the other person could just yarn climbed their way up but there were a lot more where caroline actually had to help solve them instead of just being a bubble yeah and there was like a bubble feature of this game where you could tether onto someone's back and so you were like just one yarn but it kind of looked like the other yarn he was holding on like piggyback riding and that was like the bubble feature and we did use that for some of them but there i mean the majority of the game you had to have two people to solve the puzzles yeah some of the more standard you know wall jump platform or that stuff puzzles you could just yarn onto one person but any that required tethering one person and having the other one swing up or having mm-hmm. two people in different points at any point of the game or just like one person manipulating the course while the other one moved on that manipulation you had to have two people and so it did require a certain amount of effort on both of our parts i really liked this game Mm -hmm. one of the things i liked about it particularly was how accessible it was this would be a great game to play with younger kids or just people who aren't great at video games at all they did a lot of things that made it so it could be widely enjoyed by a broad audience there was the kind of piggyback mechanic so for a lot of the levels that required just more hardcore platforming whoever was better at it could just kind of take over and run while the other person washed essentially if they couldn't or didn't want to actually attempt the platforming Mm -hmm. but then there were also a couple of optionable mechanics that made it easier you could slow time at any point in the game which just made it so that it was easier to accomplish the specific platforming task because you didn't have to have as quick reaction times and you had more time to think and actually do what you needed to do. And then there was also um, a part where if you got stuck or during the whole game, if you got stuck, you could trigger hints and that would tell you how to solve a puzzle. We only used it really once because I was very confused about what we were supposed to do, but we used one or two hints and then got through the level. Yeah, and the hints were particularly good because they kind of came in stages. So the first hint was a vague hint, like, oh, you Mm -hmm. gotta do the thing. The second and any follow-up hints were usually a lot more specific, like telling you step-by-step what to do and then leaving the rest to your platforming skills instead of your puzzle-solving skills. Yeah. I thought it was a very good game. I thought it was oddly relaxing. Yeah. Because you were kind of just these peaceful little yarn creatures jumping around on this 
wooded forest slash lumber mill slash whatever level you were in at the time. There were a couple of levels that were a little bit more stressful because there is a story and at certain parts in the story things were on fire and sometimes you were chased by little sentient wisps of fire but it was very peaceful. The soundtrack as Caroline said before was beautiful. Yeah it was like Celtic folk music. It was so relaxing. The uh, game itself was just a very pretty game. The animation and the backgrounds were just very nice to look at Mm -hmm. and you know the mechanics of having two people tethered together and you're swinging from thing to thing and sometimes you gotta chain swings together and sometimes you gotta swing your partner it was just a very unique platformer and a very enjoyable one yeah caroline yeah i mean i would just want to echo everything that you said i thought that at times it was a little slow And just a little too relaxing for me. So there were some nights when you would ask if I wanted to play it, but I was so tired at that point that I would have just fallen asleep. That's how relaxing it was for me. But I thought that the music was amazing. I thought that the graphics, the animation was so incredibly beautiful. I am usually not a platformer, but I thought that it was interesting enough that I wanted to continue playing it. And I wanted to get through it and actually get through all the puzzles that I possibly could. So that's why I didn't just tether to Marco for the whole game. I like wanted to get through most of it, even at times when I didn't have to. And I thought that the story was unique. I don't, I still don't really know what happened. It was very vague in what happened, but basically these two boys are being abused, I want to say, by by a older man we don't know if it's a father or something like that or just a random man yeah it's so hard they to... run away on an adventure it's hard to tell because you are the foreground the little yarnies are the foreground and mm-hmm. the humans in the background are kind of wisps of smoke that are shaped like humans so they're doing things but it's hard to tell exactly what's happening and there was no dialogue it was just like these smoke wisps moving around. We could tell there were two boys and we could tell that there were one or two or sometimes several adults. And it did look like they were being abused in some way, but the story was kind of vague and up to your own interpretation. Yeah, I also, speaking to the fact that the entire game was silent, except for the music, like there was no dialogue or lyrics. And yet I still thought that it was a very emotionally powerful game. And a very beautiful one. It's like the first 10 minutes of Up. Yeah. Which are like some of the most beautiful minutes of that movie, but there's no dialogue spoken. They did that very, very well. So. And because there was no dialogue, it was really on the music to kind of carry any sounds associated yeah. with this game. They had a big role to fill, and I think they did it very well. Yeah. I think it's time for our questions. What was that, Caroline? <laughs> Insert clip of music to transition our that's, questions. <laughs> that's right, dear listener. We now have transition music. Yeah, thank you so much to David Allen, who is the host of Pod of the Pod Whisperer or Podcast Whisperer. It's at the Pod Whisperer on Twitter. If you didn't listen on April fifth. 
he reviewed our podcast and it was amazing and we're so so thankful for that review it was really lovely we're so honored to be part of the hashtag pattern family Hmm. as he likes to call it and so definitely go give it a listen listen to all of his episodes they're very interesting and especially if you have a podcast that you listen to that he reviewed you're gonna want to listen to his thoughts and his suggestions he suggested this transition music so we're very thankful and Thank you, David, for that suggestion. Yeah, some very good actionable feedback that yeah. we are happy to take. Okay. All right, question number one. Do, 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 What was your favorite level? As we described earlier, there were different levels. They had names, but we kind of forgot them all because honestly, what differentiated them was just the environment you were in and the specific things you were doing. I think my favorite level was the one where we were being chased by the bird. Okay. There was one level in the woods where, I guess, a particular turkey found the Yarnies to be rather delicious looking. Mm-hmm. So we basically spent the latter half of the level running through the woods kind of at a much faster and more frantic pace than most of the other levels because every so often the bird would swipe at us and try and eat us or something like that. Yep. And I don't know. I thought that was a very good difference in kind from the rest of the game. And that being unique in the game made it a lot more. It just made it stand out a lot more in my mind, but then also made me appreciate the calm and relaxing parts of the game more too. Sure. You? My favorite level, I think it was actually the last level because it wrapped up the story so beautifully and it I felt was the most emotionally powerful level of the game. And it wasn't the easiest level, wasn't the hardest level. It was using the skills that you had, but also it introduced a new skill that you could do, uh, which was a double jump that was fun. And it, it just, it really tied everything up beautifully. And it tied into the credits, which I'm going to read just a bit of the end credits poem at the end of this podcast um because i thought that it was just so beautiful and well done like the credits were even well done in this in this game i'm realizing they were very nice credits every part of it was just really really beautiful it was just such a peaceful game and even the credits somehow managed to reflect that yeah what was your favorite moment of gameplay i think my favorite moment of gameplay kind of what you said in the very last level you basically unlock a double jump Mm mm-hmm It isn't just a second jump. You kind of fling yourself farther and higher than your normal jump. It's Mm -hmm. like triple of what your normal jump is. So it was kind of fun, especially at one point we were going up a waterfall. And it was a kind of tiered waterfall. So you had to jump and then land back in the water on a higher level. And then jump and land back in the water on a higher level. And I was just having fun flinging myself from water to water and pretending to be a salmon and making salmon noises. Mm -hmm. I don't actually know what noise a salmon makes, so I was kind of just making regular noises and then attributing them to the noises that a salmon makes. Wow, salmon noises and the the look of silence. You're really just making up stuff over here. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure salmon makes some kind of noise. I don't think so. I'm going to find out and that's going to be the transition music. Please don't. All right, are you done with your favorite moment? Yes, I am done with my favorite moment. What is your favorite moment of the game? My favorite moment of gameplay is probably just when we would figure out a level, but like I would have done something that we kept failing at or something that was very hard at, and I would get through it 
because I really like to give up on myself during these platformers and I like to just bubble or tether onto Marco and have him do things. But when I actually like put my mind to it and and worked at something that we kept on failing at and I got it, it just felt very accomplished for me. And that happened a bunch of times. I was very proud of myself for a lot of this level, this game. Awesome. What was your least favorite moment of gameplay? Like anytime the little fiery boys came after us, because they would like the bull in Strange Brigade, they Them would turn on a dime and they could course correct. And it was so annoying because we'd be getting through something and then we'd miss like the last jump or the last ledge and then we'd fall into the fire and die. And I was like, God damn, we have to do this all over again. But it did have very good save points during this game, but there were chunks where you would have to redo it if you messed up on the last little bit. So that was just really annoying and tedious and scary. (laughs) Not like scary, but it was the only like tense part of this game. That's fair. So what was your... Least favorite. I actually, I don't know that there was a particular moment that stuck out as my least favorite. If I had to pick one, I would agree and say the fire parts. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there were just some parts where we would be playing and then all of the sudden fire would happen and it would take us three tries to realize what was actually right. happening. Yeah. But those moments were very few and far between. And honestly, I'm only picking a least favorite because we chose it as a question. I think it was a very good game and there weren't really many individual moments that I didn't like. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Who or what was your favorite Yarny? Aha. So for some context, you could customize your Yarny a little bit. You could be a couple of different colors, different bodies, different heads, and different eyes. I don't think we ever actually did enough to unlock additional Yarnies. No, I don't think so. Maybe additional colors, but I don't think any different shapes. So my ideal Yarny was the guy who had the little two horns. His head was kind of like a crescent moon. Mm Mm-hmm. And he had the circular eyes as opposed to the oval eyes. And he was mm-hmm. the blue Yarny because, of course, best color. Blue Yarny. And he was saying. definitely a he because his skirt was shorter than the other one, which had a longer skirt. I just thought that that was like a funny distinction. They didn't actually gender the Yarnies, but it was like funny that those were the two things that you could like distinguish yes or no. Like that was the one binary And it was just funny to me because I'm sure that they tried to make that distinction for the players who was like, I want to be a boy Yarny or like, I want to be a girl Yarny. So they made their like skirt longer, which was kind of crazy. Anyway, my favorite Yarny was pretty much the same as Marco's, but with the longer lengths of yarn and with a purple color, like a deep purple color. Yeah. There was no functional difference between any of the yarnies, no no matter what yours looked like and how raveled or otherwise it was. It worked the exact same. It was more just like, I can be the blue one and Caroline can be the purple one. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mentioned before that they had a beautiful poem in the end credits. The last bit of it I thought was just something to leave this podcast on a very lovely note on. We really pride ourselves on being silly in this podcast and not really taking ourselves seriously. And I still fully and firmly believe in that, but I thought that I would just bring some good energy to the end of this and some positivity and some warmth because that's how this game made me feel and I want our listeners to feel that way. So they write, we can make this life beautiful for ourselves and for each other, and we all deserve to be here, whatever shape or color we came in, which was a very beautiful 
like wrap up to this game where you could be whatever shape or color you wanted to be and get through this game and you know finish the story bring some light into a very dark kind of background world that this story painted for us so yeah absolutely yeah It says here that our final question is white tank tops. <laughs> no, that was for Fortnite. I needed white tank tops because I Marie Kondo. I con married my wardrobe and I threw out a lot of things and I realized that I was wearing a white tank top from like 20 years ago. See? And I just don't, I don't buy new clothes for myself a lot. So I need a, I need some white tank tops because I wear white tank tops under some clothing. So you put your shopping list on top of our video game notes list? Yeah, we don't really have much you know, lists. Um, excuse you, this is a professional organization (laughs) and we pride ourselves on having at least something written down for every episode. Catch us at E3 with this shitty little notebook. Catch us at E3 with this notebook (laughs) that says favorite mode of transportation, need white tank tops. Favorite level. I need white tank tops. If you guys have some white tank tops you want to send, send it to 1234 Review Lane in Review Land. (laughs) That does not need to become a thing. And thank you guys for listening. No boy. Be sure to like and comment and subscribe on our Twitter and... Read some. Read some. No, please leave some reviews. You can read them also, but please leave them as well. Tweet us at review for the number four T, the letter T. Or you can look us up, review for two kind of anywhere leave a review on the podcast shoot us a tweet or slide into our dms to let us know <laughs> of any games that you think we should try yeah text us if you know our number yeah i really hope you don't but if well, you do then do. i mean oh you. and shout out to france who resurfaced for one episode of hey, our podcast. Let's go, france. <laughs> thanks for re-listening if you were the same person and thank you guys so much yeah all right bye bye Yeah, his body was like slightly less raveled, slightly more raveled, less raveled. I guess if it's unraveled, slightly less unraveled. Wouldn't be more unraveled because unraveled is if it's looser. Yeah, so yours was mine. Yours was slightly less less unraveled. Mine was slightly more unraveled, or slightly less raveled. I don't think that's a thing.